I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric at home of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. <laughs> Today we welcome one half of the rap group, Little Brother. Rapper Big Poo joins the show. Big fella, what's happening? How you doing? Doing all right. Uh, I asked you yesterday, uh, were we looking at a bad team or just a team playing the second best team in the league? You told me you really believe we were just playing the second best team in the league, don't you think? Yeah, man, definitely. I, You know, just watching... Uh, the game yesterday, um, there wasn't a lot of mistakes uh, or, or blatant mistakes, I'll say, made on Washington's part, aside from that McKissick fumble. Um, you know, there were some mental errors, of course. There wasn't a lot of penalties. We don't know as far as blown coverages or anything like that. Um, you know, nothing noticeable if you're not a part of the team and know the schemes. But I just think that Looking at that game, they were just outclassed by a team with more talent um, on both sides of the ball. And it just shows you how far the Washington team has to go to to really become competitive again. I agree with you completely. We'll get back to the game in a second. But for those that don't know, you are a man from the DMV. You love all things Washington sports. I wonder if you... Remember when it was that you first got into the Washington football team? Uh, I, I, probably when I was younger, um, probably around seven, eight years old. Um, I've always loved sports um, just as a kid, but I, I didn't really start watching um, the Washington football team till uh, probably the year that they won the Super Bowl with Doug Williams. It was the 87? Um, yep, yep. Yeah, I, it was probably around that time where I really started to to develop, I'll say, my love for watching the game. You know, back back in the 80s, you know, you had – it wasn't like you had a TV in every room. So you pretty much had to watch whatever your parents was watching. And uh, it just so happened – and then Sundays were church days as well. So we had a routine where we would go to church, and then church is over around 1, one thirty, and then we'll go to eat. And then we'll get home around four or five o'clock. So by that time, you know, it was pretty much nothing. So, uh, yeah, so it was probably around that year, 87, when I really started to to pay attention and really watch uh, the team and then read the Sunday paper or, or the Monday paper and um, check the sports report and all that different stuff. It's probably been since 87 since we've had a receiver like Terry McLaurin. He's fantastic. Uh, he's awesome, man. Um, you know, I, I didn't I, I admit I didn't watch too much Ohio State, so I didn't really know what we were getting with Terry. I know they said he was a pretty good possession receiver. They said he was a, a stout special teams player, very smart player. So I didn't I didn't understand the dynamic receiver that he was or, or would end up being. Um, but I knew Last year, when they decided that he wasn't going to play special teams, I knew he was something special because you don't draft a receiver to play special teams and then don't put him on special teams unless you, think, right. he, unless you think he's going right. to be 
pretty amazing out there in the field. But, um, yeah, I, I just think he's very dynamic, fast, smart route runner, um, smooth in, in, in his route running, and he's great after the catch. Uh, he's, he's a tough guy. And you can tell it was interesting. I, I forget, maybe it was right after they d- drafted Dwayne. They asked him if he could bring anybody with him, and that's who he said. He said, you, you cannot get better than Terry. Yeah, I, 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 I heard that comment yesterday, and I was like, wow. Like, you know, you had the J.K. Dobbins, you had Paris Campbell, you had all these different players, and that was the player he named um, for them. So, I mean, that just goes to speak to the type of man Terry is, to the type of player Terry is. And, and you know, I'm glad that he's in Washington. Dwayne was better, I think, yesterday. Well, he certainly was better than the previous two. He's still going to take a lot of scrutiny, but I thought he showed a little progression uh, over 300 yards. Didn't try to force the ball. What did you think? Same, same. I, you know, I was watching and, you know, as I knew the game was, you know, we had no chance of winning this game. Uh, I just really started paying attention to how Dwayne was playing and the decision-making. And, you know, like I said, he had a couple times out there where he, he made some mental errors like the uh when when they went for all right we lost you we got you back I think we were talking about Haskins and his progression yesterday. Uh yeah no I was saying that um I definitely saw some progression. Um the biggest thing the biggest thing is decision making um with Haskins. I, I you know it was a couple that that was very noticeable as far as his decisions where I, I wish you know, and I know he probably wish he can he can do it all over again. You had the uh, the the fourth down down in the red zone where he uh, ended up throwing instead of throwing the ball into the end zone on that fourth down, he threw it short of the end zone, very short of the end zone, and very um, short. And then uh, I think he also took a sack. I don't know if it was that drive or another drive. He took a sack, a bad sack, instead of just throwing the ball away. So he still has ways to go. But the thing with Dwayne is this, and I think a lot of people, you know, they brush over this. Uh, last week he had the the four turnovers, three picks, the 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 fumble, and you know, for a second year quarterback that only played one full season of college football, and you know the the turmoil that was in the Washington clubhouse last year with the coaching staff not really wanting them because they their their jobs were on the line and the the owner pushing for them and you know, then getting in and not really being prepared. Some of that his fault, some of that not his fault. Um, you know, for all of that, he had that terrible game last week. Kyler Murray had a three-interception game last week as well. The difference right. is Kyler Murray is just more dynamic in his play because of the running and all of that, and he has a better corporate receivers, you know, as, as a group, some total. So I, I just look at it like this is the ups and downs of having a young player. You know, everybody wanted uh, uh, Haskins to come in and be the savior or or expecting like, or they didn't want him at all. And it's like, if you're not throwing three touchdowns every Sunday, then you're terrible. It's like, no, this takes time. This takes effort. This takes him going out there and getting the snaps, getting, you know, seeing the plays live and, and going back, watching the film and studying. Like, it takes all those things. And even though he played last year, I really – still look at this as his first real season where he has a, a head coach and an offensive coordinator on the same page, a, a team in the front office on the same page, and everybody has the same goal in mind. 
and that's to get better. And I think we got a little fool's goal that first week um, in Philly, and now everybody expecting, you know, this team to make the playoffs, and it's like that was never the expectation. You know, Philly just yeah. happens to be as bad as we are. Everybody that's in the right. NFC East is as bad as Washington is, apparently. So it, it, it was fool's gold in the way they came back and won, and I just think that put people in a different mind state instead of where they should be with this team, and that's this team has a lot of learning, a lot of growing. We have a hodgepodge offensive line right now. You know, yesterday we saw with Antonio Gibson, but, you know, outside of Terry McLaurin, we have no idea who's going to come through on offense on any given Sunday. So it, it's a lot that goes into – it doesn't all fall on Dwayne's shoulders is my point. And, and I think yeah. people are unrealistic. And expecting it to. He isn't Tom Brady, a 20-year veteran. He's a second-year player who only played one year in college. And he's learning on the job. And this is the roller coaster ride that it's going to be. We're both down here in North Carolina, so we see it a little bit more. But they had expected a lot more out of Kelvin Harmon, who we're familiar with from NC State. I think him going down was a bigger deal than people realized for sure, he was he was a great possession receiver. He was a big receiver. He would block, you know, do a lot of the dirty work that receivers have to do in the run game. And he played special teams. And I think they were really counting on him to be that receiver opposite of Terry and, and would have been able to make plays. And with him, with him going down, I think that really, you know, have them searching now. They have to speed up and uh, the uh, – What's his name? Um, uh, Gandy Golden. Gandy Golden. Yeah. I can't remember his name. They have, they yeah. have to speed his 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 development up. They have to speed up the development of Isaiah Wright, who was an undrafted free agent. Um, they're depending on Inman, a seven year journeyman. Uh, they're depending on Logan Thomas, a tight end who is a converted quarterback, and this is his real full first starting time in the league since he's been in the league about four years playing time. They, they, they threw him the ball one time yesterday. One time. All them plays on the field one time. Uh, <laughs> Isaiah Wright is looking good. He's coming along. They missed Steven Sims. Those two are similar. Uh, but as you were saying, I think when they went in the season, they fully expected it to be 17 on one side, Harmon on the other side, Sims in the slot. Uh, and speaking of Sims, I, I, I guess I missed it on Cam Sims. They, they refused to throw him the ball. Two, two targets yesterday. And I'm not sure why. I lost you again. Who the defense gave up 30 points again. I can't say that I've ever recalled a top 10 defense, which they are statistically giving up 30. Is that the defense or is that just the NFL that we're in now, do you think? I think it's a combination of both. Um, It's definitely a product of the NFL we're in with a lot more throwing and a a lot more rules geared towards um, easier pathways for the offense. But I also – I also attribute some of that to uh, just the defense. Like I I was actually thinking about this question. 
I don't like their linebacker situation at all. And you have a young secondary. We're still trying to figure out what, what pieces work and what pieces don't. And, you know, between that and then just the product of the NFL that we're in today, I think that just leads to a lot of, you know, a lot of them break out, you know, passes like you end up having the tight end, running the corner route into the end zone for touchdowns and things of that nature. And, I mean, with most defenses, if you don't get pressure with your front four, it's going to be hell to pay on the back end. But I think it's just so much – so much is counted on the front for Washington that whenever they don't get the the required pressure, it's just – you just know a big play is coming. So, you know, me – I looked at it like the thing that Baltimore does the most and the best is run the ball. And we had a pretty good handle on that yesterday. But when you turn the ball over, you put your defense at an advantage. Um, when you have three and outs, you put your defense at an advantage. So once again, it's not all a product of just the defense leaking. It's they're spending too much time on the field. They're, be, they're being put in avenues. Part of that is some of their own doing, but then you have, the fact that this is a league that's built on passing and this has been a lot of high scores all around the NFL these first four weeks, which also could be a product of this crazy offseason that they had. So I don't take I don't put too much stock into, you know, all of the points they're giving up and them being a terribly bad defense. I, you know, hopefully as the season progresses, you'll start them seeing get you'll start seeing them getting better as far as preventing teams from getting into the end zone. But some of that falls on the offense as well. They have to do a better job of sustaining drives, even if they don't score. At least give me nine a nine play drive, um, you know, and, and switch the field uh, around, and not turn the ball over and give, you know, the other team short fields. Uh, that was the odd, that was the odd thing about yesterday. That is the first time this season that Washington has won the time of possession. And they got two to one takeaways and and still they were never really in that game. I mean, I guess, and you know, it's funny. I went back and rewatched that game this morning and uh, at the half, they fumbled the ball there, which we talked about. And then they give up that fake punt and then they turn around and score another one. And it's 14 points at the end of that half before you even realize they got them up on the board. And 54, Pierre Lewis is a guy, it's interesting, we've got a lot of guys playing that really haven't had a lot of opportunities to play ball. You talked about the tight end is that way. Kevin Pierre Lewis is the same way. Uh, Now, he gave up the touchdown to Mark Andrews. Andrews. Mm -hmm. And we haven't had a linebacker that can cover a tight end since London Fletcher. They keep trying. I thought it was going to be Deion Hamilton. I really thought that was the answer to middle linebacker. Now, maybe it's Cole Holcomb when he gets back, or the outside. Josh uh, Bostic plays middle, and he's actually been pretty good. Yeah, he's, he's, he's been pretty good against the run, but he's not, he's not out there to cover tight ends. Um, no, he's I, not. <laughs> I think um, them not having a safety that can really cover tight ends hurts them as well. Because um, you have now a lot they ex- of the- Now, they expected when they paid Landon Collins $75 million that he could do it. I don't think they did because Landon Collins has never shown that he was good in pass coverage. He's always been an in-the-box safety that can come down and help with the run game, not 
go out and, and chase a tight end all over the field. And they've been trying to develop uh, another safety. They've been having trouble at safety since the passing of Sean Taylor. So no doubt. <laughs> um, I, this is just another line where they, they, they're, you know, leaning on a young player in Troy Apke who makes a lot of angling mistakes, a lot of mistakes, period. But when you got a young player that didn't really play last year, and now it's being thrown in the fire as a starter, you're going to have these mistakes. So maybe that ends up being becoming like where they put Kendall Fuller instead of on the outside is, you know, end up having him in the slot and, and trailing tight ends. But I just – that linebacker situation is um, when you don't have a linebacker that can cover a running back out the backfield or cover a tight end across the field, you're going to be in for a world of hurt or you're going to be out there playing with only two linebackers, as I'm, I'm seeing a couple of teams do now. Um, and that's just where they, you know, just like I said, just all trying to figure it out and not having a proper offseason or preseason. You you got to figure these things out in season, and this is what they're trying to do. It is incredible the difference without Chase Young on the field. I mean, it was noticeable. Very noticeable. He's a freak. He's a freak, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, what's impressed me most about him is not just the pressure he puts on the quarterback, but his play in the run game. And I think that's where they really missed, you know, you missed that rotation of, you know, between him, Kerrigan, uh, Sweat, who's coming on, and then Ryan Anderson. And you just really, you noticed it yesterday, like, man, we needed, we needed him out there. You know, he, he definitely would have been, I don't, Still don't think we would have won, but I think he would have made some sort of difference in the game might have been a little closer than what it was. In fairness, the replacements or the fill-ins did pretty well. Timmy Settle had a great game yesterday. I like him. Uh, Nate Orchard got some of the extra work. And and our guy from NC State, Smith Williams, got some run. He's an athlete, and I think in a couple of years, they're going to be really excited about what they got in him. Yeah, I, I kept seeing them flash yesterday because at first I was like, who's 96? I don't remember 96 right. being in the rotation, but he kept flashing yesterday, and I definitely liked what I saw. And I and that's another major loss. I forgot Matt Iadonis being being out, yeah. who, who was actually their best interior defender, um, been playing like their best interior defender for the past two seasons. So, um, you know, that, that loss hurts. And, and I, I just think overall, man, and, and people, if you're a true fan of this team, you just have to realize – Nobody was expecting this team to go to the playoffs this year. Not even the coaching staff. This is a learning thing where Ron and staff is just trying to figure out what they have, who, what kind of players they have, what do they really need to go get. That's why they weren't extending players this offseason. That's why you saw some leave because they came, they, they came in and they really want to know what they what's here and what they have with what's here. And next year, I would expect to see some real, okay, now it's time to start really turning this corner. That wasn't going to happen this year. You have, like you said, you have a lot of these young guys out there who's really starting to play or get this much time. The Pierre Lewis, he was a, he, he was born in as a special teams guy. Now he started. Thomas Davis, the end of his career. Um, Troy Apke. Didn't really play last year except for special teams or when he came in to fill in for somebody that was hurt. You know, so you have all these different things. Jimmy Moreland, a second-year cornerback who came from a small school. 
So you have all these different things that's going on, and it's like patience is needed. This wasn't going to happen overnight. This was a three and thirteen team. They deserve to be three and thirteen. So they want miraculously going to go from three and thirteen to thirteen and three. They weren't. They didn't have that many great players. So I, I you know, I just look at it. I just like to see. I want to see improvement. I want to see players flash. And yesterday we had some of that, even though we were outclassed. But it was the second best team in the league. Only so much you got to be able to totally. do. Totally. <laughs> you know? No doubt. It was an Antonio Gibson breakout party, though, yesterday. Yes, and that, that justified them in, you know, the release of uh, uh, Peterson. AP. Yeah, so yep. I, I definitely love what he, you know, he has to, you know, get his vision better as a runner. But um, understanding he played more receiver than running back in college, that's understandable. But he showed yesterday that when you get on the ball in space, he's he's a monster. He's going to be a problem. You brought up earlier the fourth down play where Haskins throws short. They asked the coach about that this morning. I don't know if you saw that or not, about why they decided to go. He said, well, we wanted to test situational awareness. Apparently in the headset, Scott Turner says, Dwayne, Throw the ball to the end zone, period. Uh, and he didn't. And I think we were surprised. But I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that the report came out two days beforehand that he had to play well uh, or get benched. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure some of that went into it. And, and I think, you know, a lot of the, the, the that reporting got taken out of context because Ron Rivera did say, you know, he, he did say, yes, there is a time where he would pull him, but he said, we don't know when that time is. That time could be a month from now. That time could be a year from now. I'm not letting y'all know, but there, yes, there is a time to, to, if I don't see what I need to see here, get pulled. And then, of course, people took that and ran with it and expected that to be, oh, he's going to pull him if he don't play well this game. Oh, he's going to pull him if he don't play well this quarter. And it's like, we don't know when that's going to be. We don't, but Ron, the, the beauty of having a Ron Rivera in this situation is he's been through this before with Cam Newton. So he understands the process. He understands what it takes. He knows what he wants to see from Dwayne. And, you know, while Dwayne, some of that may have gotten into his mind, he has to just go out there and play. And that was a key thing. Like they said, the situational awareness is fourth and like 13 or whatever it is. Throw the ball into the end zone, even if it's a turnover. It doesn't matter. Like, at this point, it's fourth down. We're not getting points. <laughs> we either going to get points or we're not getting points. Throw the ball into the end zone. Yep. And, you know, he has to get better in situations like that. You were down in Charlotte now. What did you think about uh, when they said that they were hiring Rivera? You are excited about that one? Um, I, I, I was just excited from the standpoint of I knew that there was going to be some accountability. Um, And I think that's really been lacking around this team for a long time. And Rivera is more no nonsense. Um, I think if things were different, Shanahan might've played out a little differently, but I think those things that Ron Rivera saw. So when he took this job, he made it known that I am the guy, I am the voice. My voice is the last voice that they need to hear. 
because he saw what happened with how that whole Shanahan RG3 debacle played out. And so I felt good from that standpoint. And I, I appreciate the fact that even though he can, Ron Rivera defers to his coordinators. Um, he does his coaching in practice during the week. And he allows his coordinators and his position coaches to do their job on Sundays. And he's just more of the final say, the yes, we're going to go forward on this down or no, you know, more of the, you know, figuring out the strategy as opposed to trying to call plays and being consumed with that. And, you know, it takes a special kind of coach to be able to call plays on Sunday as well as manage a whole game. And I appreciate the fact that he's more CEO as opposed to trying to pull double duty because now that really gives him a chance to see what he has. He's not wrapped up into one side of the ball. He's really taking stock of what he has. And, um, you know, they I don't know how much better they could have done, but I just appreciate them finally bringing in somebody that's going to hold the whole team, coaches that everybody accountable. And, and it's not going to be, you know, the party that has been for the past five years. Club Gruden, they call it. Club Gruden. Um, that's right. Uh, how bad does the quarterback have to be this year if they got – if they're sitting there with the top five pick next year, uh, do you go quarterback? I mean, I know we're looking a long way down the road, but, you know, I mean, they, they need help at a bunch of spots. How, how, how bad is the quarterback got to be before you move on? Whew, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I thought about it after the game last week, and I, and I said to myself, man, if Dwayne keeps playing like this, it's going to be the Trevor Lawrence slash Justin Fields sweepstakes around D.C. Um, I don't know. Um, I think he has to have – if he ends up with more games like uh, the game against Cleveland versus games like yesterday or in Philly, then I can definitely see them turning to looking for another quarterback. Um, you know, he, he just have to keep showing progression. You know, like I said, some of that isn't on him. Um, you know, it's kind of tough when you have a tight end that's which young quarterbacks normally will lean on, but you don't have an experienced tight end, or you know, you have a running back that's really learning how to be a running back, and then you only have one truly dynamic receiver at this point in the season. It's kind of tough on your quarterback. You can't, you know, you can't throw the ball to somebody and hope they turn into Jerry Rice. You know what I'm saying? Like you, they yep. they have to be able to get yep. open and have to make plays for you. So, you know, hopefully by we'll we'll, we'll really I think we'll really know in another four weeks what we have in the way. I think you're right, and we've got uh, what have we got? Rams, Giants, Cowboys, Giants. So I mean. Really, it's not ridiculous to think that you could be somewhere close to five hundred by the halfway. Yeah, point. we should we should at least be two and two up out of that that four, the, these next four games. Uh, the Giants are right for the picking. Um, the Cowboys yep. have shown they can't stop a run a, a leaky faucet, and you know the Rams. I think the Rams can be got as well because the Giants should have had them yesterday. Uh, but right. I, I think they need to come out of this at least two and two. 
And I think if they come out of this two and two, there'd be a lot better feeling. Not only two and two, but two and two. And it's like you see the effort, you see the improvement, and you may lose, but I don't believe in moral victories in professional sports. But with this team, it's like we lost, but we weren't outclassed. We weren't significantly outplayed. And I think that's, you know, along with winning some games in this next four, they need to also be able to say that with each game. But they need to beat the Giants. They should beat them. They, they're just bad. Yeah, twice. twice. They're just bad. Very, very <laughs> yeah. bad. Oh, I would, uh, I would be remiss if I let you go before I got your top five rapper list. Oh, man. Hit me with the best five MCs, please. Oh, man, this, this always get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> my top five is uh, uh, Jay-Z, Nas, Scarface, um uh uh ice cube and hmm who's my fifth hmm. I normally float between Rock him and Big Daddy Kane just depending on the day. Um so they're they're like my five A five B. But those those are those are typically my top, you know, them first four like they're always there. Um I yeah. love it. Scarface and Ice Cube don't get included on those lists. Okay. No, I know for a lot of younger people, Ice Cube is just a movie guy now. But I, I had put up a, a tweet one time, and I was like, Ice Cube probably had one of the greatest three album runs for a solo artist in the history of rap music um, when he left NWA. And and if you include that NWA album, it'll be four, um, you know, runs in rap history. And you know, I just think people just kind of because that was the late 80s, early 90s, people kind of just overlooked that. And then Scarface is probably one of the greatest storytellers, one of the greatest vivid storytellers of our time. And because he's, you know, regional biased and he's from Houston, a lot of people may overlook that as well. But um, not me. <laughs> not me. I've been influenced by them all. So uh, definitely to my favorite. Well, well, it. Well, listen, you and Fonte are way up on that list of storytellers. You guys are the greatest. And, um, and hey, thanks for doing this today. I, oh, a lot man, of fun. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm glad we finally uh, could get it done. I'm, I might go rewatch the game now, too, just even thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, we'd love to have you on again sometime. Again, this was great. Rapper Big Poo, everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs>